Alrighty, guys, thank you for that. We'll talk to you one more time this morning. Right now, we're going to welcome on our next guest. We've got Ann Rinke from DTIA joining us to talk a little bit about the FMCSA. And Ann, the FMCSA is in its busy era right now. We just finished talking to Thomas about this, trying to get a lot of things done before we see this big focus to our general election in 2024. They got a lot of things on their docket. Let's break down some of them. Starting off with some safety standards that could end up linking a carrier's safety score to its CSA score. Tell us a little bit about that and what the TIA thinks about it. Sure. So we are all in favor of this, what they call safety fitness determination being revamped. And really, it's more because right now we're not having the FMCSA do any inspections of 92% of the carriers out there because it is just so physically and personnel-wise demanding, meaning it requires a physical audit. So if they're going to go to a standard that rec- that has more data involved, less visual inspection, but more data that they get from inspection reports that they get from way stations, police reports, what have you, that to me means that they have a quicker ability to judge the safety of the carriers out there. One thing that I'll also note is we've always been in favor of an up or down standard, meaning it's red light, can't drive, Green light, you can. Right now, as you know, it's basically three, red light, green light, or conditional. And what does conditional mean? It's confusing for our members when trying to make a carrier selection. I feel like, especially with the conditional status, it is in a gray zone. I always, when I was a broker, we would uh, not try to, you, you couldn't take the risk of using even a conditional until they improved. So it does feel like there's a lot of vague stuff one of the things that we're working on as well, uh, something near and dear to my heart, is the driver detention study. Last one was in 2014. Kind of ties into safety as well when I answer some questions about if detention is up, is safety going to take a hit? Uh, what are some of the thoughts from the TIA? I know it impacts brokerages and carriers because wasted time is wasted money. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Ever since the ELD was adopted in 2017, we're looking at time versus mileage for how we measure drivers sort of compensation. And if there's a lot of wasted time, it doesn't benefit anybody. And so, you know, there's any number of technological technological solutions out there that can monitor exactly when, you know, the inflows are and the outflows are and the time there. And we just all have to, to work together to coordinate from the shipper side, the broker side to the carrier side. And I know we can do it, but look, we welcome the FMCSA studying this to actually put their arms around exactly how big of a problem it is. It's interesting to talk about this as well, because we know that obviously the ELD mandate made some major changes to the industry, but that doesn't necessarily mean that things are functioning the way that the mandate was intended to. And as you mentioned, Thomas, that five years since the ELD mandate was put into place, the time versus money type of argument might be time to kind of reassess those rules, right? What are some of those data points that are going to really go into this decision-making process by the FMCSA Do you really help them understand if this was worth it or not and where some of those changes should be applied? Yeah, that's a great question. I think they'll be looking at what kind of data can they get that's publicly available that's not just determined by talking point or, or, you know, viewpoint that they actually have that's neutral data that tells you, all right, this is how long this one, this one driver or this carrier is detained. I don't know what is publicly available and what isn't, but that to me is going to be the best path forward. If we can all agree on the data set, meaning we, you know, it's not me feeding it, it's not the driver feeding it, it's this is the data, I think that will be important in resolving it in a way that we can all live with. 
And looking at some things uh, such as even mill breaks, uh, break rules, California and Washington, of course, have some specific ones uh, that go a little bit more than what the FMCSA has. Uh, coming from TIA's experience, is this something that, um, you know, should we be paying closer attention to states trying to go ahead of the federal does this, uh, federal guidelines? Does this set a potential precedent or is the goal hopefully to let uh, FMCSA work it out and have something uniform across the, the entire spectrum? Yeah, this is a soap opera. I mean, you guys have already <laughs> you guys have already covered it. The FMCSA keeps waffling on this issue, and either it has something to do with safety or it doesn't, right? So, you know, in 2018 it did, 2008 it didn't. Now it does it doesn't again. I, I, right? Which one is it? If it does have something to do with safety, then yes, it would be preempted by the FMCSA because they have plenary authority over safety. All the arguments in favor of retaining those California and Washington meal and rest breaks use safety, wrap safety around it. So I'm not sure how FMCSA now says, no, this has nothing to do with safety. To me, from a TIA perspective, separate and apart from that process, we have to have some congruity and, you know, not inconsistency between states because it makes the productivity and everything else as it relates to the supply chain completely in disarray. So you don't want a patchwork quilt of some states having some rules and other states having other rules as it relates to meal and rest breaks. Of course, one of those initial arguments for the federal precedent trumping the state precedent was the fact that these carriers are interstate commerce and is literally interstate commerce where you, trans where you transfer from one state to another. What about those carriers who only offer intrastate? If they're looking at maybe short haul or regional haul and they're only operating in California exclusively or in Washington exclu exclusively, do you think that there's maybe room for us to see an exception for intrastate commerce only? And if so, would that maybe lead to some bad actors potentially abusing that as well? Gosh, Kaylee, that's a great question. I, I think that then the legal argument is slightly tougher to make for those intrastate carriers because, to your point, they are only in operating in that state. I, I would just say this, that all trucking sort of affects every state ultimately, right? So how far are you going to take this sort of relationship to the Commerce Clause and say, well, it does have an effect or it doesn't. I think that would be something that the lawyers would just love to talk about for the next, you know, however long. But yes, I think that's an interesting point. And looking at wish list, I know we're coming into uh, election season. Uh, I spoke with Wiley Deck. I asked him, hey, if we need anything passed on the transportation side, when should we be, what's our cutoff? And he thought, well, by the end of October, if you don't really see a lot of movement, from the TIA standpoint, as we move into this transitory period, is there any goals? Is this the time to try to get something on the docket, see if the FMSA makes it a decision? Should we expect changes now, or is the expectation that we're going to have to wait until 2024 when everyone gets back together and we, we try to figure out if we're going to pass anything? Yeah, and let me just say I love Wiley Deck. He's a great guy. Um I, I would say this, we have been pushing, as you may know, for some strengthening and strictures around dispatch services. We have some report language that we got in the National Defense Authorization Act. There is some legislation that's really in a very kind of 
preliminary stage as it relates to fraud. Now, does that have a chance of going anywhere? Perhaps not. But certainly something that we would aspire to push forward, because as you know, we're in this fraud apocalypse. So it would be helpful if there could be some type of federal action. I tend to agree with Wiley. He's a smart guy. I think uh, there's you know, as they say, we're getting into the silly season very soon where it's just going to be messaging bills and and the must-pass legislation. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on those developments. And thank you so much for your time as well. We'll see if we can make it to the end zone. If not, I'll put on my New Year's hat and we'll we'll, we'll start the whole process again. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to head on over to a quick break, but don't touch that dial, folks. We're going to be having a look at the weather coming up next. 